Welcome to On Course, the teaching ministry of Pastor Hart Ramsey. And the wisdom of God transcends, it lifts you over. Where we offer simple biblical insight into some of life's most pressing issues. Love is a manifestation of strength. The Holy Spirit produces nothing but strength in us. I want to show you. Prepare for the next few minutes to be encouraged, enlightened, and inspired. Let's join Pastor Ramsey and get on course. What's going on, family? It's your man, Gerard Bonner of Bonner Fide Radio, and you are tuned in to On Course with Heart Ramsey, and we call these sessions Heart to Heart. It's your opportunity to hear from Pastor Heart Ramsey. You hear his heart and his passion and his thoughts about what's going on in life, love, current events, the Bible, the church, all of that. Pastor Heart is with us. How are you, sir? I'm doing well, Gerard. How you doing? I am doing very well. So one of the uh, trademark messages, landmark, one of your, your your main messages that you preach is about grace. You have been yes. an agent of grace to really explain what grace looks like. And so there are people who might call NCC the Grace Church. <laughs> Tell yeah. us, what what is a Grace Church? Because there are some people who don't necessarily like the sound of that. You know, a, a grace church, first of all, a grace church is a church that centers everything on the finished work of Jesus Christ. That's the best explanation I can give yeah. where where um, we don't preach salvation by works. We preach, we preach salvation by justification alone. Mm-hmm. And justification is, I, I want to explain that in layman's terms, it means uh, what I call imputed righteousness. And what it means is that that uh, the best way to explain this is that Jesus went to the cross, but he had no sin. Right. We had no righteousness. So he took our sin and died in our place and gave us his righteousness. Wow. The, the, the definition of the word righteousness means to be made right with God. And so when you read it, and, and, and when you read this, this, uh, Righteousness, Peter, it's called in the scriptures called the righteousness of God. Mm-hmm. Um, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, um, it says, No weapon formed against you shall prosper every tongue that rises against you in judgment. You will condemn, for this is the heritage of the servant of the Lord, and his righteousness, God says, is from me. Right. His righteousness is from me. God gives what that means is that, that Jesus comes, he lives this sinless life, and then he, he, uh, he becomes, as it were, um, the representative of all men, and, he, and as a re- as a representative of humanity, he goes to the cross. He dies in our place. He rises from the dead. Um, he gives everything that he's done, everything he's accomplished. He gives it to us as a gift. We receive it, and now, according to John one and twelve, we have the right, the privilege, and the authority to be called the sons of God. Mm. Grace and, and and grace for me is a is a, a great topic because um, I. I studied grace almost a decade before I brought it to my church. Wow. It's the, the new covenant is a covenant of grace. The old covenant is a covenant of law. Right. One deals with, uh, one covenant deals with uh, works. Mm-hmm. The other one, or uh, human works. The other covenant deals with the works of Jesus Christ, what he did on our behalf. Right. That's a lot. That <laughs> is a lot. It is a lot. And, and it's intriguing because so many of us grew up under this human works kind of salvation that when we get it wrong, 
it really has like a heavy impact on us. Like, right. you know, like, man, we missed the mark. We did something we weren't supposed to do. And we just feel like, oh, I, I remember, man, growing up, I would just feel so horrible. Just like, oh, man, I, I, I spoke out of turn or I did something. And then back then, the way I grew up was uh, the church we were at. You had to go confess to your pastor and right. only your pastor could get. And it just, oh, it was just brutal you know <laughs> so but but for me you know it, it has taken time to really kind of unlearn and then relearn you know this whole walk of salvation um and yet there are so many people who are still teaching law-based salvation why do you think so many people still hold on to this uh works-based salvation i think it's fear in, in, in a word, it is fear. And, and what people are afraid of, you know, first of all, um, a lot of people don't understand the purpose for the believer of the Old Testament. Okay. And so they read the Old Testament as if it's current. Wow. But in Hebrews chapter 8 and verse 13, the Bible says that Old Testament is op- not by the Old Testament. The Old Covenant is obsolete. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, uh, it's set to us are given to us as an example. It, the, the stories are in it are, are historically are accurate. Mm-hmm. The revelation of God is accurate, but it's an example. But according to the book of Colossians, is a shadow of things to come, which means that that um, and the way you get a shadow is you, you get light. You put something uh, uh, image in the light, and then the 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 image the light casts a shadow right. through the image. Right. So that, so so you can look at a shadow and you kind of guess what it is. But it doesn't mean that that's the reality of it. It just means it's a shadow of it. Right. The old people misunderstand what the Old Testament was, and so they'll preach from the Old Testament as if it's current. Wow. Okay, and and that's the danger of it. And and the law is based on keeping rules. I, I, there's a there's a scripture. There's so many scriptures I want to read, but there's one I want to read to you. And it's h- kind of hard to talk about grace without going to the Bible because sure, it, the Bible is so critical. I want to read this. It's in, it's in Romans chapter three, verse twenty one. Here's what it says. He said, but now God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law, as was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. Verse 22 says, we are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who you are. Verse 23 says, for everyone has sinned. We know this one, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Mm-hmm. We, we read that scripture, right? But we don't read the next verses, which says, yet God with undeserved kindness declares that we are righteous. Wow. We didn't do anything. He just, he de- when we believe in Jesus Christ, he declares that we are with undeserved kindness. We didn't deserve it, that we are righteous. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. Wow. Man, this so I could preach a whole series from those, just those verses That's right there. That's incredible. But isn't it interesting, Gerard, that we don't hear people talk about this in church on the regular? We don't. No, they don't talk about it. Listen to verse 25. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. Listen to this statement in verse 25. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrifice his life shedding his blood this sacrifice shows that god was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in times past let me address it for a minute i heard joseph french talk about this i thought it's phenomenal so here's jesus walking around in, in um judea in his days on the earth and even from the old testament we won't go back that far but let's talk about jesus walking around 
And so have you ever noticed that that when people came to him for healing, mm-hmm. he never asked them how they got like that? Right. He never, but here's another thing too, but then at, but at the end of some of the healings, after the person had gotten the blessing and they're healed, he will say to them, go and sin no more, lest a worse thing happen to you. Wow. Indicating that it was sin that had gotten him in that, but how come he never addressed the sin? People tell people you can't get healed because of sin in your life, but every person that Jesus healed had sin. had sin in their life and he never addressed the sin first. Wow. Just, I, there's so much I got to say about this. I want to help you, help everybody with this. It's important. So, so th- when in verse 25, uh, when it says that um, this, this sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in time past, imagine it like, imagine it like this. Jesus was going around giving out like he was healing people on credit. Wow. He was, he was healing people with credit. He, really, he let the woman with, um, um, with the issue of blood that actually stole the healing. <laughs> she actually came and touched him with his garment and got the healing. Um, he says, your faith got you whole. The woman that was brought to him in adultery, mm-hmm. he didn't condemn her. Right. Well, well here's, the, here's the, the, the thing. Now, the Bible says to, that, that God is a God of justice and a God of mercy. How do you, how do you square the two? Um, if someone does you wrong... And God tells you to forgive them, but 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 they're not pun- there's no punishment for what they did to you. That's not justice. Hmm. That's not justice. It's mercy, but it's not justice, and it's not fair. Mm-hmm. But 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 God is a fair God. He's a just God. Now, this is important. As Jesus is going around, according to Acts ten and thirty eight, doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. What he was doing he was doing this on credit, and he was able to do this because he was keeping. God was keeping a tab on this hmm. because every person from Adam till the end of the world who would be born into this earth under the, the, the uh, arrangement that Adam made with the enemy, every person, Jesus came to die for them. He came to pay their bill and God was keep because of God being a just and fair God. He, he made sure that he kept up with everything that was going on. When Jesus was on the cross, God took it all out on him. Wow. He paid the entire debt, the full price, and more. He overpaid mm. for it. And this is the crazy part. He wrote, he rises from the dead as proof that God accepted payment for everything we did wrong. Wow. That's the, that's important. So so now, I, so let's go back to the, the personal situation. Someone did you wrong. God says, I want you to forgive him. You say, but, but look what they did to me. And here's the premise. The premise that every believer should have when it comes to grace is this, is that when Jesus died, he died for every sin I've ever committed against others mm-hmm. and every sin that others have committed against me. Wow. He died, watch this now. He died for every sin that I've committed against others and against every sin that others have committed against me. Which means, Gerard, I can't claim that he died for my sins mm-hmm. and then deny that he died for their sins too. Right. And that and therein forgiveness becomes a test of my belief. I forgive people. I, I can't forgive another person if I don't believe that God forgave me. Wow. Because wow. the same sacrifice the same sacrifice that was shared, the same sacrifice that that uh, that bought my forgiveness bought this too. The same sacrifice that bought that paid for the wrong I did for, to others, either willfully or inadvertently. Mm-hmm. That same sacrifice paid for what others did to me. And so I could always go to the Lord and say, Father, I thank you that Jesus died for my sins and for the sins that were committed against me. 
Wow. Like I'm 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 stuck because <laughs> be, because what happens, you know, we often hear where people will say, why is it that, you know, uh, when I need grace, I want the whole world to show grace and mercy on me. But when other people need it, I just want to slam down on them. But I think you, you nailed it when you said forgiveness is a test of our belief. Yes, that, it is. That's heavy. It is. You, you know, Gerard, what, what it comes down to is as a grace church where we believe that, you know, and, and this is this is important. I want to speak to another side of this because the other side of this is that the people say, well, if that's the case, then we could do whatever we want to do. Mm-hmm. Well, here's the problem with that. Um, in, in the book of Jude, it speaks about people who want to turn the grace of God into licentiousness. Mm. And what, what that means is they want to say that because uh, and, and actually there's a word for that. Um, is, is the the proper theological term for that is antinomianism. Okay. Um, anti means against, nomian, nomian means law against okay. the law, and and that's not necessarily what what grace is teaching. Okay. Um, that that there are people. Uh, the book of Jude it only has one chapter, mm-hmm. and it says it actually says this. And let me see. It starts at verse three. It says, "Dear friends, I've been I've been eagerly planning to write to you." Mm-hmm. Or write to you about the salvation that we all share. But now I find that I must write about something else, urging you to defend the faith, mm. to defend the faith that God has entrusted once for all time to his people. I say this because some ungodly people have wormed their way into your churches, saying that God's marvelous grace allows us to live immoral lives. Oh, wow. The condemnation of such people was recorded long ago, for they have denied our only master and Lord Jesus Christ. There's a lot to be addressed in there. The first thing I want to address is this, is that he says, he says, I want to write to you about one thing, but now I'm forced to write to you uh, about something else. And I want to urge you to defend the faith that God is. Now, here's the problem is that whenever we, uh, a person with the Old Testament mentality reads um, about defending the faith, they read it as defending the law. Mm. But what they don't realize that the, 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 the Bible, what the Bible calls the faith is, 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 is the fact that um, grace is 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 uh, capsulized or labeled or nicknamed the faith because it's all from beginning to end. The Bible says the just shall live by faith. It starts with faith. It ends with faith. The, not, none of our good works has any bearing on our salvation. Now it has bearing on our rewards. Okay. In heaven, when we stand before the beam seat or the judgment seat of Christ, um, our, our works, the, we, we're not saved by works, but we are saved for works. The Bible says that we are the workmanship of God created in Christ Jesus unto good works. He created us, and left, I mean, he saved us and left us in the earth to do good works. So we're not saved by our works, but we're saved for the works that God has set up for us to do. That's important. Yeah. Okay. So, so uh, we we come into the things of God, and and it's called the, the 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 grace message is called the faith. So the Bible says that we ought to defend the faith. In other words, we have to stand up to people who believe. And in verse four, he says that the people who warm their way into the churches, saying that God's marvelous grace allows us to live immoral lives. It's it's like you know it's like it's like Jesus died to free us. Mm-hmm. So we say we want to use that freedom to stay in bondage. Wow. We want to see, we don't, it's like you, it's like you went through all this thing. You died, he died in my place. He took my charges. And I said, well, you know what? Since he took my charges, I'm going to, I'm going to live a life that, that would lead to ruin. That's, that, that's defeats the purpose. Right. If, if the Lord wants us to live, live immoral lives, then why would, why should Jesus come? He should have just stayed where he was and we would have been immoral anyway. Right. The word moral, for those of you who are wondering, 
is is a word that that, that we get our word standards from. Hmm. He said, so so we said, well, 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 Pastor, wait a minute. The Bible says that we that we have to keep the law. No, there's no law, but there are rules. Hmm. And and this important, but the rules are not the important thing. The relationship with Christ, what Christ has done, that's the important thing. But in in the, under the auspices of that, there are lines and layers. And and they're, they're, for example, there's a law of we we live by new laws, the law of faith, the law of love, the the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, which many people don't even pastors don't understand what that means. So quickly, I'm going to give a quick explanation of the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, it, it goes against the law of sin that leads to death. Hmm. And here's how it works. Sin is at work within me. And, and even when I want to do good, Romans 7 says, I want to do good, but sin is ever present with me. So I end up sinning and the wages of sin is death. Right. So sin is, but the, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, it means that, that Jesus' spirit is living in me, and it's not just a spirit; it's his life that lives in me. Wow! And 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 that th- the spirit lives in me leads to it, it. It pushes me towards life. So whereas I want to sin, now I want to live. Mm. Stay tuned for more of today's teaching with Pastor Hart Ramsey. We got something to say. Listen. Did you know that there is power in your words? Cement that with the brand new remixes to the single It Is So from Hart Ramsey and the NCC Family Choir. Pick up the remixes to It Is So from Hart Ramsey and the NCC Family Choir. Available now at all digital outlets. Let's go! Let's go! Have you subscribed to Hart Ramsey's Uplift? It's his national text message service where daily you get to hear from the heart of God through the man of God. Heart Ramsey. To subscribe, simply text the word Uplift to the number 46786. Once again, text the word Uplift to the number 46786. And daily you'll receive a text message designed to uplift your spirit, encourage your heart, and empower your walk. Subscribe today to Heart Ramsey's Uplift. Amen. Imagine being filled with a peace so deep that the world around you can't touch it. Pastor Hart Ramsey is on a mission to help believers understand what it means to have a healthy, prayer-based relationship with God. He's doing that through his brand new book titled Seeking Answers, Finding Rest Through Prayer. Prayer at first was a struggle because, you know, it, it really takes faith to pray. You have to you have to trust that God is like a person. He's a real person and that he's the one that invented the concept of prayer. In this book, you'll learn how to ensure your relationship with God is based on a new and improved covenant, which dangerous prayer habits to avoid and what to do when prayer doesn't yield the answers you want. It's time to trust God enough to make your prayer life truly about Him. Pick up your copy of Seeking Answers, Finding Rest Through Prayer from Hart Ramsey, available now at Amazon, iTunes, and wherever books are sold. Now let's get back to today's teaching with Pastor Hart Ramsey. You see what I'm saying? And and that drives me and, and that leads to a whole different experience. It's, it's, it's the life of God in me driving me as opposed to sin in me driving me. Wow. 
Okay, and so that's what the law of the spirit of life is. So you have the law of love, you have the law of faith, you have, you have the, the, the the royal law, mm-hmm. which is which is the law of basically. Uh, I don't do to people what they do to me. I do to people as I would want them to do to me. Right. And so, and so there's the different laws that fall under grace, but but they're not the, they're not the laws. They're not the the, the, the uh, ten commandments. Mm-hmm. And why would well I'm I'm about to stop me when I'm going too much, okay? Because I can talk good. about it. You're good. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so when you Gerard, when you go back to the Old Testament, God actually when you count the commandments, there were actually six hundred thirteen of them. Oh wow. Okay. They were, yes, they were. I, I, I think make sure I don't get this wrong. But uh, there there were six hundred thirteen commands. I believe there were two hundred forty eight dues. Okay. And and two hundred, I think it was two hundred forty eight dues, and three hundred sixty five um, don'ts. Okay. And if I get that backwards, those of you who are scholars, correct it for me. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay. So here's how it worked. Uh, uh, actually, it was three hundred sixty five don'ts and two hundred forty eight dues. Okay. They were called, they were called mitzvahs, and this is gonna, this is going to bless you. The law was divided into four parts. So you have the moral law, which is the Ten Commandments, mm-hmm. the ceremonial law, which is is, to, is to, uh, how to worship God, how okay. to approach God. Okay. And then the the civil law, which is how justice should be administered. Okay. If you you know what I'm saying you steal for someone, how are you going to repay it, all that? And then there was a dietary code, what kind of foods to eat. So these four different divisions made up what's called the law. Okay. So some people are saying, well, well, when 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 the when the Lord came he, uh, and he died, he did away with the ceremonial law, and that was it. But the moral law, the civil law, and the dietary codes are still in place. But the, the, if you go through the scriptures, especially the New Testament, it proves that that's not true. Mm. In First Corinthians, especially First Corinthians chapter three, or I'm sorry, Second Corinthians chapter three, it actually explains the entire thing. It talks about that the um the, the ordinance of, of the handwriting that were against us, um, or that were etched in stone. The only thing that we have etched in stone were the Decalogue. In other words, in, uh, in, in other words. That's the condensing of the 613 laws into 10 commandments. Ah, okay. And these commandments, in my mind, are, are actually just categories. The 10 categories of law. Wow. So we have been delivered from keeping the, the law because what God wanted, he did not want a, a family of rule keepers or law keepers. He wanted a relationship. Mm-hmm. And so he, he starts out by, by paying the debt, sending Jesus to die for us. And then from there... He brings us in. He says, okay, now you're in my family, and now let me show you how to be like me. And we spend the rest of our lives in this process that we call sanctification. So the whole thing works like this. Our salvation initiates with justification. The moment I believe the gospel of Jesus Christ, the moment I believe that what God says about what Jesus did for me, that moment I'm saved. Wow. It's called justification. The moment that I that I, I see him face to face, whether I die or whether the rapture happens, the moment I see him face to face, I become like him. That's called glorification. So on the front, on the one end, we have justification on the front end. On the back end, we have glorification. In the middle is this lifelong process called sanctification. Mm-hmm. God takes my entire life to make me like him. Wow. It's, it's, it's a process. The sanctification is a lengthy process. There's a, there are ups, there's downs. Imagine this. Peter's shadow was healing people right. on the streets, right? But Paul had to confront him in the book of Galatians chapter 2 because he was still dealing with, with prejudice. Right. Wow. So how, can, how can the shadow of a prejudiced person get people healed? Because he's in the process of sanctification. Wow. And, and in the process of sanctification, it's interesting. In the process of sanctification... Um, 
it looks different in heaven than the way it is on earth. In heaven, it's already finished. In the earth, we, we're going through it. There's no time in heaven. Time is in the earth. Time is a creature just like we are. Wow. So it, in, the heaven, in heaven, we're sit, seated at the thrones, already victorious. In the mm-hmm. earth, we're seated at tables. Mm-hmm. How, you get it? So th- thrones in heaven, tables on earth. Uh, we're working through the process of earth, and we'll finish the process in heaven. It's deep and it's powerful. And as a grace church, what we do, we teach the Bible. We, we say this is what the Bible says, and we may shout, we may not shout, but at the end of the day. <laughs> right. You're going to know this word. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that that is so important because, again, a, a lot of our churches have based the success of our experience on the emotional uh, outcome of the service. Yeah. You know, as opposed to did we walk away with biblical truth? Because, right. and so that's what almost forces us to try to, you know, work our way into living this thing versus, um, you know, accepting what Jesus did. So I want to ask you this because this, I know this is a, one of those questions that there's been a lot of debate about. So you mentioned that, you know, the, the example of Peter where his shadow was able to uh, bring healing, but yet he was still fighting prejudice. Yes. So what what do you think is the is the way that one deals with this sanctification process of a person who let's say has an anointed gift and uses that gift well but is still struggling in an area whether that area is prejudice or something we can see Right. How how should that be dealt with? I've been some places where they're like, you know, if you do anything crazy, like you're sitting down, you're not serving, you're not doing anything. And then I've been other places that they're like, well, you know, we're going to work with you through this. You're going to continue to serve. You're going to serve your way out of it. What What's the way? Because both sides would teach that they are correct. Right. You know, this is what I think about. Um, a perception of, of a person and and flaw, sin, weakness, whatever we want to call it, mm-hmm. of the flesh. You know, it's important that we understand that everyone is dealing with something. Right. But the word, the word that we use to describe it should actually reveal where we are in the process. For example, if I call it a struggle, mm-hmm. it's a couple things. It means I see this thing as an enemy. Right. Um, it may have um, a, a, a foothold in my life, but I'm still fighting it. Right. As opposed to if I am not, if it's not an enemy, it's my it's my friend. Right. It's my I have settled. Right. So I have no problem with a person that's struggling, but if you're settling now, there's a whole different type of ministry that's involved in that. Right. But the reality is, Gerard, is this: if we sat down, every person in church is struggling. We'd have no church. No one will serve. That's right. No. The, um, no, no pastor, um, no one in the parking lot, no one, because the, tr- uh, the worst thing we could do for a person that's in the fight of their life, especially against their flesh, is to sit them down. Right. right. Unless now, unless the, the, the burden of the ministry that they're working is adding to their demise. Oh, that's good. You see what I'm saying? For example, yeah. um, uh, uh, I know uh, I've seen situations where where you have a person, for example, that's struggling with a certain a sin, whatever the sin may be, mm-hmm. and and um, 
the, the reason that they're not able to deal with the sin better is because they, they're full of pride. Right. So so let's say the person is one of the most incredible lead vocalists in the choir. Mm-hmm. And 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 um and they feed off the response of the people. It it feeds into their pride. Yeah. So as a pastor now, what I have to do is I have to watch the situation situation and go. I'm not doing them. I'm not. I'm, I'm doing them an injustice. Right. It's benefiting us, but it's not benefiting them because the the, the pride that's that 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 uh, is feeding their demo, their 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 struggle is be, is being um fed now on this platform. Mm-hmm. Let's get them off the platform, not as a punishment, but as a timeout to say, listen, okay, let's deal with the issue. If the root issue of your sin is pride, let's deal with the pride first. Right. You got it? And 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 we're not looking for how long we can sit them down. I think we're like a pit stop. Let's see how quickly we can get you back up there. Right. Because Galatians 6 says, if anyone is overtaken in the fault, you which are, now here's the interesting thing. It says overtaken in the fault. It didn't say if anyone has a fault. Right. Because everybody that's got them. That's right. That's right. It said, but if the fault, if, if the fault line in your life is creating life quakes, mm-hmm. if you haven't, if, 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 the, if your life is being overcome by this fault, those spiritual ones, it didn't say you which are spiritual set, set such a one down. It right. says restore such a one in the spirit of meekness. Right. As we consider ourselves, let's we also be tempted. Mm-hmm. And then it goes on in, in a, a couple of verses. One verse it says, "For every man must must bear his own burden." Or actually, it says first it says, "Bear you one another's burden," and so fulfill the law of Christ. This thing is no joke when it comes to to, to uh, uh, what Christ has done for us and who we are in Him going forward. Uh, our growth. It's no joke. People are going to struggle. And as a church, I think that we're we're too quick to become a company of stone throwers. Yes, absolutely. You know, here's the, here's the problem. We all, we always, you know, I've never been in a conversation in my entire ministry. I've been in the ministry for 34 years. Mm-hmm. I've never been in a conversation where I, where I say we all have faults and everyone didn't agree. Right. Which is crazy is when the fault comes out, people act so devastated and shocked and surprised. Right. Now, some of, some of the stuff is, is appalling. Mm-hmm. Okay. The things that the soul, the soul could be twisted and, and the soul could be so mangled that it could be addicted to things that we, that we find appalling. Right. But at the same time, why, why are we surprised? Right. And when it's time to get the person, if, it's, if, the, if the thing comes out, we say, man, this person is in more trouble than we thought. We don't stone them. Right. Where are the intercessors? Where, where are the gifts of the of the spirit that were that were given to the church for these purposes? Mm-hmm. Where, where's the word of knowledge? Where's the word of wisdom that tells us what to do? Right. Where's, where's the word of knowledge that tells us what it is? Mm-hmm. Where, where's the where's the ministry the uh, the gifts of 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 uh, of miracles yeah. and all the things that are necessary to get this person restored? The gifts are not for our benefit and for our our our. Uh, Bottom line, these gifts are for the body to heal and to restore and to set the body straight and to keep us on the road of sanctification uh, to becoming like the Lord Jesus Christ and telling others about him. We get this. We got this thing turned upside down. Yeah, no, you're, you're right. And this is probably the first time I've heard anybody mention the gifts of the spirit in relation to helping to bring wholeness to someone who has fallen. As opposed to it being paraded around and, you know, having a title added to your Facebook name, you know, (laughs) like, I mean, you know, seriously, it's like people, you know, I'm prophet so-and-so and and you shall address me in that way. And it's like, but no, this is needed to help hurting people become whole again. 
It is. Listen, you know, I had a crazy situation. Like, it, it's kind of funny. Um, I was I was read into the Full Gospel Baptist Church organization as an international general overseer of counseling. Oh wow! So, so a young man asked me, "What did I call you?" I said, "Pastor." Right. <laughs> <laughs> My thing is like, man, first of all, listen, I'm going to tell you, and I love Bishop Joseph Walker. I love my bishop. And here's what I love about him is that when we were having this conversation about me being a part of the full gospel Baptist churches, he said, the first thing he said to me, is, said, Hart, I know you're not about positions and titles. I know you're, you are a relationship guy. Yeah. Yeah. I said, I said, Bishop, I am. He said, and he said to me, he said, now you already a bishop. He said, you have all these pastors under you, but you don't go by the title. Is there a reason for it? And I told him, I said, you know, it's not such of a reason. It's just that I've been doing the work of a bishop for so long mm-hmm. that that it, it to me is counterproductive to call myself or to have people call me bishop. Right, right. You know, even even I have a PhD and it's earned, and I don't like to, I don't even like to go by Dr. Ramsey because to me, that that kind of like ostracizes a whole group of people. Wow. I mean, just call me, listen, my people call me pastor out of respect and, and, and out of uh, of recognition for what I'm called to do in their lives. Mm-hmm. And everyone else can call me heart. I'm good with heart. My parents named me that. Right, right, right. <laughs> it doesn't, af- doesn't affect my anointing. Listen, I can be anointed as heart. Matter of fact, I've learned that you can be anointed in tailor-made suits or in jeans and a t-shirt. This is you the can- truth. <laughs> you can be anointed. <laughs> So no, you 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 are absolutely right, and I hope that people are really gathering some things from this particular conversation because I think it is necessary to understand the power of grace, the power yes. of accepting the finished work of Jesus, and not trying to. And this is interesting because you know we we are to be imitators of Jesus, but we don't have to redo what he did when it pertains to salvation. Like he did it once. Yes. That's it. We don't have to go back on a cross. Oh, you know? God. We, 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 <laughs> and I'm thankful because I don't really want to do that. That's like not my thing. You know, so as, as we close, I want to ask you this. If there are people who are kind of having the tug, that tug between a grace church and a law church, and they're more than likely coming from a law situation and they're saying, this isn't really working, but I don't really know how to leave it or how to embrace these principles of grace. What would you tell them? The Bible says that in the book of Galatians, it's a powerful scripture. And I wish I could, let me see, can I find it right quick? Mm -hmm. It actually talks about, there are very few curses. The Bible says, Basically, I'm paraphrasing, curse be anyone who who um, does not love the Lord Jesus Christ. It actually says that. Mm-hmm. Cursed if you don't love the Lord Jesus Christ. Another scripture actually says that um, the only other curse in the new covenant is for preaching any other gospel. Beside the gospel, Paul said that I preach. Right. And what it means is... um, um. If, if a part, if a pastor's preaching the law, then it, then it actually brings a curse on him. Wow, that, that's what the Bible says. Um, um, matter of fact, I'm, I'm gonna see can I find this scripture? Uh, here's what it says in, in Galatians three and ten. It says in verse nine. I'm going with verse nine. Mm-hmm. So all who put their faith in Christ share the same blessing Abraham received because of his faith. Mm-hmm. Verse ten says, but those who depend on the law. Mm-hmm. To make them right with God are under His curse. Mm-hmm. 
For the scripture says, cursed is everyone who does not observe and obey all the commands that are written in God's book of the law. So it is clear that no one can be made right with God by trying to keep the law. For the scripture says it is through faith that a righteous person has life. The way of faith is very different from the way of law, which is which says it is through obeying the law that a person has life. But Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law. And so there's a lot when you are uh, uh, the scripture that I was looking for is in actually that's Galatians three. I was looking for the one in Galatians one. And you're going to find it interesting. It actually says that very few people have heard this before. But Paul says in Galatians chapter one, verse six, he says, I am shocked that you're turning away so soon from God who called you to himself through the loving mercy of Christ. You are following a different way that pretends to be the good news of the gospel, mm. but it is not the gospel at all. Wow. He said, you have been fooled by those who, are deliberately, who deliberately twist the truth concerning Christ. He said, let God's curse fall on anyone, including us or even an angel from heaven who preaches a different kind of good news or different kind of gospel than the one we preach to you. He said, I say again in verse nine, I say again, what we have said before, if anyone preaches any other good news or gospel than the one you welcome, let that person be cursed. Wow. And let me tell you what, let me tell you what, this, we don't talk about this, but let me show you what the main thing about, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to wrap this up real quickly. If you're a pastor, I asked a pastor one time, Sir, why don't you preach the gospel of grace? And he told me he's afraid that if he preaches grace, he'll lose control of his church. Wow. And people start people start living out of control. That's a you know, that's the, the fear of losing control. First of all, God didn't call us to control churches, he calls us to pastor them. Right. Leading and controlling are two different things. If you if when you hear the word lead, you hear control, you need to re- redefine the word lead. Mm-hmm. Okay? Mm-hmm. And for the believer who only know God by rules. You're missing half your life. Absolutely. Because the things, let me tell you this right now. It means that whenever God doesn't do what you want him to do, you're going to be angry at him. And here's why. Because you'll be able to tell God, I did this. And because I did this, you were supposed to do that. You owe it to me. Mm. It's called pay. It's not grace. Wow. Grace is undeserved. It's unmerited. It's unearned. Good grief. <laughs> that is so necessary for us. And I hope you guys really, really took that in and do yourself a favor. You're probably going to need to replay this. I'm pretty certain of that. There's a lot there. So take notes and uh, share with us what you've learned. We want to know how this is impacting you. And you can reach out to us by way of social media using the hashtag heart to heart. That's H-A-R-T, the number two, H-E-A-R-T. Tell your friends and loved ones to subscribe because there are great things happening right here on this podcast. Of course, you can do it on iTunes and via Google Play. Until next time, this is On Course with Heart Ramsey.